Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, titled HPV Vaccination Rates in Mid-Adult and High-Risk Patients, Strategies for Improvement, is provided by Prova Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. As many of you remember, the four-valent HPV vaccine was first licensed and introduced into public health practice in 2006. And since then, there's been all this incredible data on the safety and the effectiveness of the four-valent vaccine. As we would have it, research has progressed, and the vaccine we now have is the nine-valent HPV vaccine, which provides protection against an additional five HPV types that can cause cancer. Now, this nine-valent vaccine was approved in 2014. Since then, the CDC guidelines have changed several times, most recently in 2019, regarding vaccination of mid-adult aged men and women. Although the ACIP guidelines broaden the age range for those eligible for vaccination and coverage, the coverage has been slowly increasing, but the prevalence of HPV among adults remains high and vaccination rates remain suboptimal. They are well below our national goals of 80% of age-eligible patients completing the vaccine series. So today, we're going to discuss the updates to the guidelines and offer strategies to apply them in your practice. This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Anna Giuliano. And I'm Dr. Joel Heidelbaugh. So Dr. Heidelbaugh, why is HPV vaccinations in adults important? And who are those that face the greatest burden from HPV-related diseases? So generally, when we think about the burden of HPV disease, we should be thinking about that burden really being related to cancer. And so HPV prevention is really cancer prevention. And right now in the U.S., men actually have the highest burden of HPV-related cancers. And that's related to oropharyngeal cancer, where the incidence is five times higher in men than in women. And historically, we've thought of HPV-related cancers relative to cervical cancer in women, and that's actually the next most common cancer. It's important to remember that HPV causes tens of millions of cases of cervical dysplasia among both young and middle-aged women year over year. So men and women remain susceptible to acquiring HPV throughout their lifetime, and we need to be thinking about specifically people aged 27 to 45 years. And so the only way to really prevent oropharyngeal cancer, which mainly affects men, is through vaccination against HPV. All HPV vaccines have roughly 100% efficacy for the prevention of HPV vaccine type-related persistent infection and a variety of other types of cancers, including cervical, vulvar, and vaginal, as well as anal. So. The take-home point here is HPV vaccination has been shown to prevent cancer in both men and women. And the myth of HPV-associated disease is that it's just a women's issue, and it's certainly not. So Dr. Giuliano, with that information as background, let's now focus on updates that were made in 2019 to the ACIP, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, HPV vaccination recommendations. So from the very start in 2006, the ACIP recommended routine vaccination of 9 to 26-year-olds. Now, some of you will remember the target age for vaccination has always been those adolescents ages 11 and 12. 
And that remains the target for a variety of reasons. It's, it's the optimal time to vaccinate. And more recently, we are recommending to go as low as age nine to help spread out the number of vaccines adolescents are receiving in any one clinical visit. So why the 18 to 26? Well, we need to catch up. You know, we would be missing generations if we didn't have catch up and we only vaccinated those adolescents. So since the start, the recommendation has routine vaccination of nine to 26 year olds. Now, what is new is the ACIP guidance on vaccination of mid-adult age men and women. And again, those are individuals ages 27 to 45. Now, why is that important? Well, you just heard from Dr. Heidelbaum that one of the most important cancers and the largest burden is oropharyngeal cancer. And this actually occurs in a median age of around 60 or 61. So if we can actually reach those individuals that still remain at risk for infection that causes cancer, that is the age range 27 to 45, we have an opportunity to reduce that cancer burden in the future. So right now, CDC estimates that approximately 9.1 million women and 13.9 million men aged 19 to 26 remain unvaccinated. And unfortunately, very few Americans ages 27 to 45 have ever been vaccinated, despite being at risk for new infections and, and as I said, potentially progression to cancer. So the recommendation is for these unvaccinated adults to catch up their vaccination. And catch up vaccination is with the standard three-dose schedule for all persons through age 26. Now, after age 26, it's a case-by-case -case basis on a discussion between the provider and their patient. And they are to use shared clinical decision-making, which we'll come back to later. So Dr. Heidelbelt, what can you tell us about other HPV-associated cancers? Again, we've talked about how we tend to think HPV-related cancer is limited to cervical cancer, and now we're talking about how oropharyngeal cancer is very prevalent. There are other HPV-associated cancers that we need to be aware of, and these include anal cancers or anorectal cancers, vaginal cancers, vulvar cancers, and penile cancers. And we need to understand the prevalence. We need to appropriately screen for them. We know both oropharyngeal and anal cancers are significantly increasing in incidence. And the only way to really definitively prevent these is through vaccination. That's absolutely correct. Now, fortunately, cervical cancer incidence due to screening has been decreasing in the United States, but it has hit what we call a plateau. And the only way to overcome that plateau and really get to cervical cancer elimination is going to be through vaccination. And the other thing that's really interesting is if you look at the median age at which women acquire a cervical HPV infection, it's around 24. So what does that mean? That means half of all women acquire the infection that causes the disease after the age of 24 which really supports the concept of vaccinating even in the 20s and early 30s and so on for women. And for men, what we have found is that men continue to be susceptible to acquiring a new HPV infection throughout their lifetime. So as you've just heard, the only way to prevent those infections and diseases that are increasing in incidence among men is through vaccination. 
For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Anna Giuliano, and here with me today is Dr. Joel Heidelbau. We're just about to delve further into our discussion of strategies for improving HPV vaccine uptake across a series of different patient populations, including how and when we should be using shared clinical decision-making. Dr. Giuliano, we touched on this briefly, but why has the CDC provided a permissive recommendation for HPV vaccination in adults aged 27 to 45 years? So one of the things we're going to talk about is the difference between a routine recommendation and a permissive one. But first, I just want to tell you who remain at risk in that older age group. And there are many, as I just mentioned earlier, very few individuals in the United States above the age of 26 have received vaccination. Even the 18 to 26-year-old age group are not fully covered, very far from being fully covered. So that's a general population. And then there are individuals who are at increased risk. And those include active duty service members, gay bisexual men, men who have sex with men, transgender women, people living with HIV, and any population that is immunosuppressed. And so although we have a large population in the U.S. that has been vaccinated, we have a larger one over the age of 26 that has not. However, if you look at the relative effectiveness of the vaccine, it's not as effective in the older ages, ages 27 to 45, as we've seen in the adolescents and the young adults. And again, this is why we say the target age for population is the adolescent population. However, there is very much so clinical benefit. Now, because there is clinical benefit, but effectiveness is not quite as high, the ACIP then strongly recommends everybody receive that vaccine earlier. But if they haven't, on a case-by-case basis to have that discussion with their provider if they're in the 27 to 45-year age range. It really is one of a clinical protocol versus a public health protocol. The routine recommendation is a public health recommendation, and the shared decision-making is a clinical decision that occurs on a case-by-case basis. After the guidelines were updated for vaccination for adults ages 27 to 45, and this whole concept of shared clinical decision-making or SCDM was recommended, there was increased uptake partially attributed to this older age group having a permissive recommendation. So I wonder, Dr. Heidelbaum, how do you start this discussion that hopefully leads to a patient's acceptance of HPV vaccination in this slightly older age group? Following a shared decision-making model, it's important to provide that education so that a patient can make an informed consent about this. But also understanding that each individual patient, and in this particular scenario that we're talking about, men between 27 and 45 years of age, they really can play a role in cancer prevention, not only for themselves, but on a broader level for their communities. For many men, this discussion is often a very foreign concept. So a great place to start with that really is the sexual health assessment, certainly asking about partners and understanding practices, understanding how they view the role of protection from STIs, their own past history of STIs, and relationship status or plans for potential pregnancy with their partner in in the near or potentially distant future. 
So I think the sexual health assessment is certainly a great place to start, but it really takes time in our practices. You know, I think many men are going to view this as not a male issue, like we talked about, and really assessing that their own individual risk may be a very low one. So I think talking about current statistics, like you mentioned, certainly incidents is certainly really important. Well, thank you, Dr. Heidelbaum. Now, before we close this topic, there's one really important question that continues to come up, and that is, should a patient who is unvaccinated and has had a positive HPV test, either you know a pap cytology or primary HPV test that was positive, should they be vaccinated? Unequivocally, yes. People who test positive for HPV aren't necessarily positive for all of the genotypes that are targeted by the vaccine. So what we know is the vaccine can help protect against various genotypes that a patient may not have been exposed to, but certainly could be exposed to, including those high-risk genotypes 16 and 18, which are so prevalent in oropharyngeal cancers and penile cancers, anorectal cancers, and all the other ones that we've discussed today. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I want to thank our audience for listening in. And thank you, Dr. Joel Heidelbell, for sharing your clinical expertise and insight. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you, Dr. Anna Giuliano. It was my pleasure to be part of this today and have this very robust dialogue with you. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.